Hello, welcome back to Comeback. I am your host, Connor, and as you may be aware, I speak to people from all around the world based on their experiences, stories, and cultures. And one of my friends here is Nick Cabreos, probably the most recurring guest on Comeback, who has spent the last six months in Virginia, USA, having spent previously three years in Vietnam. He will soon be returning to Vietnam, Saigon, so we can do in-person interviews again, which will be great. But for now, in this episode, we're going to talk about moving back to Virginia, catching up, seeing old faces, old territory, and what it means going forward. Looking forward to this catch up. How are you, Nick? Welcome. Welcome back. Hey, what's up, man? Glad to be back. Glad to be back. Are you going to be glad to be back in a week's time when you step off at Tansonna International Airport? I think so, man. I, I do so. think so. I'm gonna. It's the right thing to do. <laughs> what feelings do you think are gonna go through your head? What's coming to your mind? Um, you mean like right now? Like how am I feeling about going back? Um, yeah, right now. What's going through your mind? I feel I'm ready now. Like it just kind of hit me a few days ago because <laughs> I was kind of worried that I got too comfortable being back here, mm. and I was like, I don't know if I. What if I fail or whatever? But. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know, recently I got this feeling that like my family's thinking and mine are going in different directions. So it's time that I like I do my own thing right now. Right, absolutely. And can you just remind me and like, I guess for those listening to the last episode as well, back in say December time, what influenced your choice or decision to go back to Virginia? Um, one thing was that I didn't see my family for three years because of COVID and everything. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to get back in touch with them and and also uh, experience my hometown with brand new eyes that I acquired in Vietnam. <laughs> right, okay. And how would you describe those brand new eyes? Um, they're less judgmental. Right, okay. And... <laughs> okay, they're less judgmental. And I suppose before we go into how it actually transpired that your expectations of Virginia. So let's say if we rewind to early December when you were getting ready to move and you were thinking of it and it was coming closer versus it actually happening. Now you've been back. What were they like? Did your expectations match the reality? Uh, I'm not sure if I had much expectations. I just, I actually like (laughs) when I was still in Vietnam uh, before coming to Virginia, had to get the PCR test and get approved and all that, right? And I got my PCR results the day of my flight. So I didn't really accept that I was coming back to America until the day of my flight when I got my my PCR results back. And then I was right. like, oh, I guess yeah. I'm going back then. Okay, I get you. Yeah. Well, I guess w- when you landed in Virginia, and I, I suppose, like, what were you Ooh. expecting to happen? Damn, I remember when, when my airplane landed in, in Dulles Airport, um, which is here in Virginia. It landed at the airport, and then I was like, God damn it, I'm back here again. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I thought I was finished with this place, but I'm, I'm back here. Like, okay, let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. And I guess then, like, how would you overall summarize your last six months then? You know, if we had like a few sentences and whatnot, how, how has it overall been then? You know, you've spent those three years away, you hadn't seen anyone, you came back with a new pair of eyes having had those foreign experiences. What what, what was it like? What happened? It made me think about, uh, I think there's this Ram Das quote where he says, um, if you think you're enlightened, go spend two weeks with your family. Because <laughs> <laughs> they, 
like you know all of our old triggers like they put them there by accident right so it's like when you go back to your hometown it's like all of those old triggers are getting pushed again right i see i see and what were some of those old triggers <laughs> just like somebody in your family implying to you that like you're not being good enough at something or like maybe you didn't wear the right clothes or you're not being presentable enough there's always something about you not being enough it's like sometimes a message that your family might might give to you and it it hits your inner child somewhere deep where it's like maybe i'm not good enough in general right like, mm, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. that was pretty interesting i know that i'm pretty sure you did uh, the recent terry cruz interview on steven diary of a ceo oh, yeah where that was incredible that was great. it was raw it was powerful it was everything and it's the bit i think after 20 minutes where he mentions that he used to be offended when he was called the n-word etc until it really dawned on him that the only reason he would start a fight or react violently after being called words like the n-word or any other insult is if he genuinely believed that he was that whilst if somebody was to call him a unicorn he would laugh because that's not who i am like that's ridiculous and it's almost the same with us where we will only react negatively to insults and criticism if we deeply believe they're true if you know what i mean do you agree with that yeah right yeah like if, if somebody said like god you're an ugly elephant it's like i'm not an elephant yeah. So by that logic i'm also not not an ugly one either yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's just when the trigger happens yeah and i suppose you spent the time in vietnam back in america east versus west was there any, ever any clash of values from the west versus the east now that you've spent time in both in the last year or so um i think you know because like i live in northern virginia like Northern Virginia is much different than the rest of Virginia, which is like pretty rural, except for Richmond and Virginia Beach, whatever. But like most, most of Virginia is rural. It's like countryside. But where I live, it's like a suburb of Washington, D.C. So like we kind of get like the D.C. thinking kind of spreads out into my hometown, which is Fairfax County, Virginia. And it seems like people are, are always trying to seem proper people are always trying to seem like they have their shit together and they try to talk like somebody who has their shit together, but you can tell when someone is just acting. <laughs> How can you tell? Uh, like forced smiling. Um, they say please and thank you way too much to the point where it's kind of odd and kind of awkward. <laughs> right, okay. Like they're trying so hard to seem like a whatever, what, whatever they think is a good citizen, I guess. Whereas like in a big city like Saigon, even like New York, people are just like, they're just straight up genuinely themselves, no matter how, how blunt or whatever they are. Although in, I would say in Saigon, Vietnam, people are, uh, try to regulate, not regulate, but they're not as, uh, as outgoing as people in, in New York City, for example. Yeah, no, of course. And even a lot of smaller aspects of Saigon struck me in terms of that lack of care of external validation, I'd say. And I, I use fashion as an example, where if you just ride around on a motorbike, the amount of jackets and t-shirts you see with just, I, I don't even know how to describe them. I'd say the word weird, weird logos or weird sayings. And it's just, it just goes, <laughs> like people wear like pajamas on motorbikes and it just goes, you know what I mean? yeah or to have this like a really nice like bright pink jacket it's a dead inside on the back yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i've seen them it's on the awesome. beat memes yeah yeah i suppose then yeah. 
what's the biggest challenge that you faced having to go back to Virginia? I say having, having to go back to Virginia or going back and being immersed in that environment again. I, I remember we spoke about it a few times, uh, going back to say the old environments where you can get triggered by the past and the old emotions then start stirring up. What, what was the biggest challenge? Um, well, like the interesting thing is that I decided to go back and live uh, in the place and with the, <laughs> yeah, in the place where I got triggered, like the most recently before I left to Vietnam the first time. So I, I came back to my mom's house and uh, just to see like, how can I handle this shit now with the stuff that I've learned? Can I handle this place now? And the answer was yes. How do you know the it, answer yes, if I'm ask? Um, because like initially I had thought I'm going to live in this house for one month because I don't know if, uh, if it's doable or not but I'm going to give it a one month shot and see what happens. And I've stayed here the whole six months. I'm still here in the house with my mom. Excellent. Um, do you think, I guess your training, we'll call it that in Vietnam helped you? Because I know that from how we met and what you've been doing here is a lot of, I'd say introspection, a lot of self work. Like, do you think that helped you in going back to the States? A hundred percent. Yeah. Because mm. if it wasn't for that, then I would, I would have been pretty miserable. I think. Right. Okay. From your introspection, what do you think are some of the main lessons that you learned that were really important for you that stopped you perhaps being really miserable that when you were back in Virginia? That it's possible for uh, someone to have higher emotional IQ than their parents. And, and it's possible for the parents to learn that skill from their son or daughter it's possible if they want to. If they don't want to, then they'll just be forever stuck wherever they are. Do you think that you can not force, but you can encourage them to, or is it ultimately their choice? For example, you can lead a horse to water, you can't make it drink. Does the same principle exactly. apply here? I think you're right, man. Because ultimately, like, I can tell them about whatever read this book what about this what about that but ultimately they have to decide what what it is they do and uh <laughs> at least with my mom like in the beginning she was like why are you talking to me about psychology right and then I was like okay like I'm not gonna mention it again but um but of course like her thinking eventually would put her into a situation where it causes her mental suffering right and then when it when it gets to that point then she begins to get open to talking about the mind and all this stuff. And then when she sees that it's working, then she's like, oh, damn. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll try a little bit and see what happens. <laughs> right, yeah. Sometimes you have to get to that breaking point where it hurts and then, and, oh, maybe I should do something about it. Funny enough, I was reading Dr. Joe Dispenza's book, Breaking the Habit, Being Yourself today, again, like rereading and taking some notes. And in the first chapter, it's all about like, why wait for that breaking point? If you know it works exactly. with effort and perseverance and persistence, it can happen. Why not do it now when everything's fine and, you know, save yourself, have the, the crash. But it's, it's a strange one because I do think, why do we have to wait until that point? But also I know from my own experiences, often it was the breakdown that caused the breakthrough. So I feel like partially you have to get to that point. What would you say about that? I mean, yeah, like maybe in the very beginning, you have to hit, a, you have to hit like the breaking point 
so you can make your comeback, right? And then later on, you'll think, why do I have to keep hitting these breaking points? I can just fucking, like, like instead of doing treatment, I can do preventive. That's very true. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a strange kind of relationship I have with it because I do believe it is the challenges that make us, but you can save yourself some of those challenges if you do the work early doors. It's just about, I guess, getting around to that and having the knowledge, but also knowing how to apply it where you can easily say, for example, positive thinking is the key. Like, you know, just believe, but just believe isn't really enough. Like you have to take really small steps in making belief. So for example, uh, thinking you can lose a kilo and then noticing, oh, I've lost a, you know, <laughs> lost a pound and just building up from there, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, like something I did with myself is like, uh, <laughs> you, you can say like I wired something into my mind. Like I identify now as someone who can do uncomfortable things on purpose. Mm. And that helps a lot because then that, that helps with the preventing your breakdown, right? Because you go ahead and you tackle that difficult shit before you get the, to the breakdown right also, not, now that's just like a new habit it's like not even like a chore not just like this is just what i do now and it's fun <laughs> how, how, how did you manage to rewire this you just decide that's it that's it it's just it's just this is what we do now like do you remember david goggins like after he did the um, uh, what is the seal training again oh i can't remember the, the... it was tough <laughs> Damn, I can't remember the name right now, but like the hell week, right? After the hell week, oh, buds. Um, after he finishes buds and then he realizes he wants to continue that same lifestyle and he gets up every day at 4.30 a.m. and he hears his mind asking, why are we doing this? Like, And then he responds to his own mind and he says, this is just what we do now. <laughs> That's it. <drop. laughs> yeah. I love that because there's no there's no conflict, there's no struggle, there's no resistance. It's just this is what we do. Firm, emphatic. That's that. That's it. You just make a decision. That's it. You just make a decision. This is just what we do now. Absolutely. It's not something uh, special. Not like this is just a new lifestyle. That's it. Have Have you managed to, I guess, get any evidence for this new belief? As in, has there been an example you can give of when previously you would have slipped into negative traits but instead you've managed to channel that this is what we do now anything from for example not falling out with people that you might have done previously or bad habits that you might have slipped into with pleasurable activities any any examples that you have of managing to get this belief in you uh how did i get this new belief of doing uncomfortable thing um how any evidence that showed you that you were capable of doing uncomfortable stuff like anything you're proud of Uh, yeah one thing funny that i haven't done this today yet but one thing that's really helped surprisingly has been uh cold showers that's the easiest (laughs) it's the easiest uh uncomfortable thing to do because you just have to go into your shower and turn the water on there's no like special technique or nothing (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. i've done it but the first first few seconds (laughs) Like what I do is like I'll go into the shower and I'll set it to let's say like warm water or whatever, but I'll sit I'll stand under the water when it comes out so it's still cold, and then I'll just wait there until it gets warmer. Yeah, 
and in the winter it was pretty tough but right now it's summer so it's not it's not too tough right now yeah no but definitely doing that in winter especially virginia winters which i believe are pretty pretty cold oh that's fair play man yeah do you get that yeah, like in, sorry carry on mm-hmm. like in the winter when you do it like uh the water comes out cold of course cold as hell and the thing is that before it gets hot it gets colder and colder and colder and you're standing there thinking like how much colder <laughs> is this thing gonna get man like i thought i, <laughs> I thought i said it too hot <laughs> and then when you think it's like that you're really like free water falls on your body but you can feel inside inside under your skin you're still cold as fuck and you're yeah. like, what the hell is happening right now? <laughs> like all tingly and stuff. Yeah, you have that, but don't you also have the feeling of boom, won that one? It's like round one to me. Yeah, right. And then like the more you do it, the more it just becomes a thing that you do until it stops being like a weird. It's just like this is what I do now. Or um, one thing that I did was um, I made a contract with myself. Like uh, if I like like the uh, the habit that I was trying to curve is like. Uh, whatever like spending too much time on social media or like watching porn and stuff like let's like if i watch a porn video and it's like i have to take a cold shower like it's not a punishment it's just my contract uh, that's, that's just that it's not i'm not judging myself it's not it's not i'm not punishing it's just that's just part of my contract if i do this then i have to do that thing is it a written contract you have or is it just mental you know i should write it but uh right now it's mental yeah yeah no i just think like the power of writing something down that if that contract yeah you know that yeah now that can be quite useful do you ever have any accountability buddies damn actually i i don't um i don't i've been having trouble finding people who would be down to do that (laughs) yeah it's a weird one because in saigon you could find them like we've kind of got together but i can excuse me i can imagine that in my hometown i'd struggle and it Virginia also sounds like one. It can be tricky to find the right environment, but I guess we have to create it. Like, you know, like our group of friends, like you, me, Zed, Calvis, Ricky, Luan, like our whole crew over there um, in Saigon. It feels like we're like a group of friends that we sharpen each other. Yeah, I'd agree. We're like, you're like the same way that a chef sharpens his knives, like sh- 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 <laughs> we're sharpening each other constantly. Whereas when I, when I came back to Virginia, it's like, that was gone. There was no one, there was nobody that was down to do that with me. So I had to learn to sharpen myself. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure I could have, I'm sure I could have done better, but I'm, I'm, I'm still learning yeah. how to yeah. like motivate myself when nobody around me is doing that, that thing. When nobody else around you is doing that thing, how do you motivate yourself? Like what goes through your head, which will actually get you to do the thing? one part is like it's like i'm not judging them but i just think like i don't want to be like like (laughs) them not that i'm judging them but it's just like i don't want that to be my lifestyle so i i I have to do something different than them Mm. and what what's funny is like when (laughs) here in virginia like if i drive and whatever like if i drive over to that area everybody's outside jogging and and before I used to judge them like, oh, these guys think they're so cool and now they're running around with their Adidas shorts, like if they were like amateur runners. But now when I go now when I see them and I go to those neighborhoods, I'm like, these dudes are fucking actually jogging, like they're pushing themselves. Whereas where I'm living, 
nobody's doing that. Mm. No, actually, I can recount a similar example in my own life when I was once in the car with some friends and there was someone that we knew who was, let's say politely, slightly lacking in shape, right? So they're slightly overweight, going for a jog at like 7 a.m. And they were all kind of taking the piss. Like, what the fuck are they doing? I was thinking, you know, they're doing a jog at 7 a.m. Like, fair fucking play. None of us have done that in the last two years. Right, yeah, it's so easy to judge them. Yeah, also, it like, it's like part of us is like, is hurt and sees, and then that's a good opportunity to be like, hey, look at that guy. Ha, 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 ha. But really, but actually, it's like they're doing the work and you're not. Mm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, joke is on you. Yeah, especially the, like, the pleasure pain principle where it's much easier to get that bit of pleasure by like laughing with your friend at someone who's going for that jog at 7am rather than put yourself through the pain of doing it yourself and again with pleasure pain it's easy to once you associate pleasure with going for those runs and being in the groups of people who do sharpen each other's sores and create masterminds and go for runs etc once you associate pleasure with that and pain with being with the judgmental, the gossipy, the people that I, I wouldn't quite want to be around, that's when change happens. It's it's when mm. you know, the pleasure outweighs the pain that things actually change. And it can be a very powerful and useful motivator. You know, like if, if you change your self-identity to someone who doesn't judge other people, and then when you start judging someone um, and you break your rule of your self-identity, like, in your stomach, in your gut, you get this empty feeling of like, oh, like I'm doing something wrong right now. Something is not right. And that's it's just because you're break you're breaking your rule. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, that's chapter two actually in Joe Dispenza, where it's once really? you notice thoughts that slip by, once you're conscious of your unconscious thoughts that are negative, you never want them to slip by unnoticed. So if you start feeling mm. judgmental or I can't think of a better word than bitchy. You, you, once you clock that, you get that gut feeling. Cause then it's almost a, whoa, this isn't me. This isn't the new personal reality I want to create or I have created. This isn't my identity. Put it away. Again. Yeah. you like, like you physically feel like an emptiness in your gut. Just like, it feels like you're cheating yourself. That's mm-hmm. what it feels like. You yeah. just cheated on yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then that's the worst thing because there's no one you can blame. Like if your partner cheats on you, you can give the, the grief to them but now if you've treated yourself you have to pick up the pieces and you have to deal with it like if i'm t- if i'm talking to somebody about self-development stuff or whatever and then i start to feed my own ego during that conversation like shortly afterwards i can feel it i'm like what am i doing right now like something is wrong <laughs> i have to yeah. change this <laughs> it's good that we get that though it's good that you get that kind of um that that signal that you're doing something wrong it's yeah self-awareness. i'm really grateful for that yeah, that was not there before. That was not there before. Yeah, it's a sign of growth, and there's no self development without self awareness. And then you've grasped that, you can, you can prosper. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Big time. I'm trying to think again about the Virginia aspect. So I suppose we've like spoken about key lessons, and I guess I guess from a personal point of view, Nick, when you arrive this time next week, what can I expect? Is it same old? Is it not same old? That sounds insulting. Like, is it the same, Nick, or like have you changed? And if you have changed, in what ways? No, I think there's been some changes. Um, okay. I think thanks to working at Starbucks because I worked there for about I want to say five months. Uh, 
customer service jobs are do they're great for ego training. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, um, people just being <laughs> extremely rude to you and then expecting you to provide them service like that that can happen, and uh, that's a that's a great ego test. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think、uh, if someone is trying to like mess with me like that now, like it would have less effect because I mean Starbucks customers now. <laughs> They've been training me. <laughs> They've been training me. Imagine, to be honest with you, I can only imagine.、Um, are there any? I guess are there any things that you'll you think you'll do differently now that you've lived in Saigon, Vietnam? You've gone home and now、mm. you're coming back. Are there any things that you think you'll change now you're coming back? Like things that I'll do differently. Like yeah, I'd say、back. so. Yeah. Um. I think I'm going to just be a better leader for myself. Like、nice. I'm gonna trust myself more and my decisions more, and、uh, yeah, I think just more trusting in myself to do what is right, and、um, yeah, just trusting my awareness basically. What are you most looking forward to about the combat to Saigon, and what gives you the most fear about coming back to Saigon? Yeah, looking forward to seeing my girlfriend, seeing all my friends over there. The cheap food, the cheap coffee. <laughs> I miss all that stuff. The city life. I'm like, I spent I spent almost my entire life living here in this exact place in Virginia, and I always felt that I should be in the city. Right. Okay. So、uh, I'll be happy coming back to the city for sure. That's like my my habitat. Um, the scariest thing. Um, I don't want to use the word scary too much. I'm gonna say exciting. Okay. Cool. That's、um, vocabulary choice. Uh, because there's like a, a thin line between them, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.、Um, yeah is the the coffee shop business because I do want to open my coffee shop, and I can see it opening in a year. For some reason, that's just sticking in my head. Like in one year, it should be open. Excellent. Boom. June 2023. I look forward to being one of your first customers. You got any? Thank you, man. Yeah. Was there were there any questions about Virginia, Saigon, coming back, returning that you wanted me to ask you that I didn't? It's a new tradition I have with guests. Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. I can't think of one right now, but maybe it'll it'll pop up. Cool. <laughs> If it pops up, you know where I am. And、uh, I guess the next time we do this, we'll be in person, which will be almost weird because for some reason I kind of like I thought you were like gone for good, even though I know you said you were coming back, but I was a bit unsure of whether I was staying or not. And I guess we're both staying, so. In person podcast.、Oh, you're staying for at least one more year, right? You're staying. Yeah, yeah. I've、like, signed my contract until June 2023. Awesome! It's gonna be cool seeing、um, British people again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.、Uh, over here, I met、uh, one dude. I met one dude, and I think he's from、uh, up north, like North England. So, and then he asked me, like, "Have you heard of、uh, Manchester United?" I was like, "Like, yeah, yeah, I've heard of them." <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of Manchester United? <laughs> I'm trying to think of a place、um, in the world where someone has not heard of Manchester United. Yeah. <laughs> um. Let's see. I met、uh, an Australian family at the Starbucks drive-through. That was interesting. Um. But yeah, not too many. Uh, not not too many Europeans or Australians over here. Wow, man, that's、not、like the moment. I feel like that's what I'd miss the most if I left Saigon. Just the international mix. I clocked that the other night. I was out with people from France, Spain, Italy, Hungary, Vietnam, Scotland,、uh, 
America, all over the show. And that's, that's just a regular occurrence. And I think, whoa, shit, if I left, like, yeah, it would be weird if I saw, like, an Australian, for example. Jeez, that would be crazy. But, yeah, the benefits of Saigon's multi-international scene. Yeah, it's funny coming back here and uh, trying to talk to somebody about Bouyvian or something. And they're like, oh, I forgot, this is Virginia. Nobody here has ever heard of Bouyvian. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, all my Saigon stories will just go over deaf ears. So, like, likes probably happen to you. Yeah, and also I noticed back here that it, you have to be careful who you talk to about your travel stories because some people, when they hear that, they get immediately triggered. Mm. Um, like when you tell them, oh yeah, you know, I've been to Vietnam and Thailand and, and I traveled to Dubai and Berlin and some people who have never traveled will just sit there and you can just see them internally kind of start to boil. Yeah. And and even they don't understand like why the fuck they're feeling that and like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess we probably would have been like that if we didn't take the plunge and come over here. So kudos. Yeah, even even I felt that when this girl was talking to me about her experience in London, like <laughs> uh, this happened like what three months ago or something, and I was just sitting there like getting kind of annoyed and like, why the fuck am I getting annoyed, man? Like, yeah. This is silly. <laughs> but I did feel it. It was starting to bubble up. Envy's natural, man. You got any final thoughts before we wrap up? That's a good question. How long have we been talking? Like thirty minutes. Yes, roughly. Yeah, I feel like we can dig a little more. Maybe like, there's got to be something else. Um, ah, to right. Um, okay, go on. I just remembered. Um, <laughs> so I worked at Starbucks, right? And um, I also realized that it's it's very possible to have more emotional IQ than your boss and your boss's boss. Like, it's totally possible. It shouldn't be weird. Yeah, it is possible. But is it not frustrating when you think, "Can I not be in that position?" But that makes me th- that makes me more motivated to start my own thing because it's like I don't want to I don't want to like rise the ranks of Starbucks. I don't care. Like I'm just gonna straight up open my own thing then. Fair point. Yeah. No, definitely. Like entrepreneurship usually starts that way, where they'll say, "Oh yeah, I was sick and tired of my boss, and sick and tired of the other boss, and just thought I'll be my own boss." And it brings its challenges, but if you're motivated that way and if it suits you, I'd say go for it. Um, also, I saw how like um, the, like the boss is like the captain of the ship, right? Like let's say Starbucks is like our ship. And if the boss begins to have anxiety during the shift, it affects the entire team. And the entire team is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If the boss is this freaked out right now, then I guess we should be too, right? Because like she knows more than me. Absolutely. Yeah, it goes back to like the principle we spoke about in the Napoleon Hill chapter one about like the leader setting the tone for the whole re- the whole rest of the team. And uh, like Stephen Bartlett from Diary of a CEO had a same similar issue when his whole team's like computer servers got hacked. So they're all they were going to lose millions of dollars, like hundred percent. And so he thought, right, this is a complete disaster, but they're going to sense. So I'm just going to stand there and pretend it's all calm and hopefully it blows over. It did. But yeah, it shows the energy of the boss really can influence the team. So be very, very careful and composure really matters. Yeah. So if you have high emotional IQ and your and your boss does not and your boss is freaking out during some rush hour or whatever, like at work, that is the moment when you can decide that this person is my boss on paper, but in my mind, this person is not my boss. So I don't have to follow their emotions. I can just do my own thing and just pretend to be their employee. 
yeah absolutely yeah that's like taking responsibility and yeah i suppose so i suppose it's going against the frame, but in a positive manner like that happened to us at starbucks and like i could feel she was <laughs> sorry i could feel my boss was bringing the whole team down and and the thing is like when she was feeling down she would start telling us things to bring us down like and i'm sure she didn't mean to it was it was just like a autopilot reaction but she would start telling us like things like oh you're pretty slow today huh oh you have bad memory huh like just things like that that actually are reducing the effectiveness of your team overall so why would you want to do that right but she didn't have the awareness that that's what was happening yeah i feel like as a leader i mean this might be tricky for me as the amount of leadership positions i've been in my life have been there's not been too many but uh the one thing that i have learned is it's important to have people around you who will tell you when you're fucking up because that's often the person's biggest downfall when they don't have that and you don't have that awareness and you're saying this to your team over and over and everyone else knows it's a disaster you probably know it's a disaster but you, you know it's not getting picked up on so you need like a trusted lieutenant to tell you when shit's hit the fan yeah and i would have loved to tell my boss where she was fucking up but also like i don't know if i should just go up there and be like hey do you want to know where you're fucking up because like, maybe that won't work right so like uh it would be cool if the boss could be humble enough to tell you like hey if i have anywhere to improve i think you should tell me and they're like oh we'll be more than glad to tell you <laughs> yeah yeah it's one of those i remember like again i've mentioned this for the third time i feel like you know i'm an ambassador on the podcast diary of a ceo a uh, the gymshark ceo comes on and he did a 360 feedback with his team after working with them for a year because his girlfriend suggested it i think so they did the 360 feedback but it was all private and anonymous and they all put in like what he's really like and it was like arrogant out of control doesn't listen and he went he was absolutely livid goes home and he's like cursing and he's put it away and he gives it to his partner and goes look at this look what they've said about me and then after it all calmed down a few hours later he said what do you think and she went that is the most accurate thing about you i've ever read and that really wow. that really triggered him into thinking shit i need to turn this around so like if he didn't do that 360 feedback he probably wouldn't be as successful as he is yeah right and like if if you're thinking about doing that 360 uh feedback and you hear a voice in your mind telling you that's a bad idea that's ego that's that's the ego talking yeah if you, if you want to know something i've done 360 feedback before and oh, i was horrible <laughs> i'm not gonna lie <laughs> i'm a bit I, I kind of say that i would like to do it again but hmm, i think i will at some point to be honest with you but i remember doing it you have to I do have to, yeah. And it, it wasn't fun. I remember like thinking, okay, give me feedback, but not like that. But then obviously that's the ego. You know, you can't ask for feedback honestly and then gets triggered <laughs> when it's honest. I remember a few times thinking, oh, okay. Oh, oh, right. Okay. Didn't see that coming. It's worse when you don't know. Like if you kind of know that, for example, you can be a bit goofy or whatnot, it's fine because you expect that. But when you get something that you really either thought was good or is completely what you didn't expect, it's, it's sobering or triggering, shall we say. <laughs> uh, yeah man let's see something else that i learned over here is um like there's some people that you've been friends with like years ago in your hometown that they're not bad people uh i'm gonna say person they're not a bad person but uh this person is not trying to develop themselves at all actually it's going backwards right and then when you try to tell them like, hey, you know, like there's a way to, you know, to develop yourself. Then they're like, man, I don't want to hear that shit, man. Like, who do you, who do you think you are? And then that's a good clue that 
you should not be spending time with this person. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, I mean, if somebody doesn't have the awareness or doesn't want to know, then there's no point. It, again, it doesn't mean that they're a bad person and it doesn't mean that you're judging them for that, but it's not going to suit you ultimately to hang around with them given their lack of interest in development. If you're interested in development, you have to make the tough calls sometimes and sometimes that might mean cutting people off. I've done it before and it is pretty tricky, but it's essential. Especially the thing is like, after spending time with this person, I could feel my mind was was contemplating like, maybe I can behave like him too. Like he's doing it, why can't I? That's like a huge warning flag. The red flags are right out. Exactly. So yeah. I was like, no, 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 I gotta cut this shit off right now. This This can't happen. Exactly, man. What is some feedback that you received about yourself that was harsh, that you didn't enjoy hearing, but was essential and that you're glad you received it? That's a good question. Like, uh, just like ever, right, ever in my life? Yeah, ever. Like, is the one that springs to mind. For example, like a, a good friend of yours told you that you were, I don't know, whatever, and you were thought, oh, no, I'm not. It's you. And then you put, put the mirror on yourself and thought, maybe I am. <laughs> I think um, my girlfriend told me once that, uh, like I was trying to help somebody's mindset just to feed my own ego. And you were, you feel? And I was, mm. yeah, because like, like after I would, let's say, adjust something in their mindset, then I would tell my girlfriend about it and kind of use it as a way to boost myself. Like mm. I would be, I would be something like, oh, ha ha ha, like, I totally got into their mind today. It's <laughs> a re- readjustment. And then my girlfriend called me out. It's like, t- basically told me like, you know, that's literally your ego, right? And then I was going to, I was going to defend myself. And then I was like, oh, no, she's right. Like, damn, I can't say anything back. She's totally right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It really hurts as well, because like, I've had similar issues, to be honest with you. And having that when, you know, when the ego's like, the, when the ego's drunk, and you know it's swimming around and it's loving all of it and then something hits it and you know it's correct you almost have to abandon the pleasure of, of swimming in the ego and that can be tricky when you have the mirror there and it's saying the thing that you don't want to confront even though it's true oh it, it is literally it, it can be rough like i can't think of anything else to say it's like that's when your identity of i'm someone who does uncomfortable things that's when it comes in handy because that it is uncomfortable to realize yeah, that and, yeah. and admit that you were behaving that way. It can, it can be rough. It can be rough. And yeah, especially when, when it's someone close to you as well, when you think, oh, you know, for example, if it was a stranger, so if, or not a stranger, someone that you don't know very well said, oh, you've got an ego. I think, oh yeah, I don't really know you. So whatever. But if it's someone who's like your girlfriend or your best friend says it, you think, oh shit, shit. <laughs> Maybe they have a point. Yeah, or someone said that like if multiple people are telling you the same thing, it's like you might want to look into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You might think, well, if it's affecting so many different people in different environments, then maybe you're the problem. <laughs> just maybe, just maybe, maybe all of these people can't be wrong. I'd say, how many people do you think it would take? So, say five, is it five, ten? <sighs> I would hope it's like three. Oh, 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 oh okay. <laughs> I would hope so. It's like, yeah. how many more hints do you need? Yeah. No, I, like, yeah, like not saying something is wrong with you, but it's just like, 
there might be something you want to like uh adjust or like yeah. analyze yeah adjust or address because it can be so easy like one person all oh, they're wrong two people all oh, they're wrong three people yeah fair enough that's probably it i'm, I'm saying five or ten that just shows you how far i've got it wrong sometimes <laughs> It's like, especially if it's three people that don't know each other, like, especially that, then it's like, whoa, that's, that's a big clue right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you might have to go, oh, do I do this too much? Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, it can be a tricky one. Because maybe you get to 10 people, and like, no, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe they're wrong. Like, like how long do you want to wait till 15, 17? <laughs> yeah, true. Like, what, what is it going to take? Yeah, fair point, actually. And having the awareness to stamp it out early is key. So, yeah, fair point, man. No, that's definitely something that we can both look towards. Pretty much, like if it if it's triggering you, that's a good that's that's the key. It's like something is here, something is here. <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. Because it, it seems like it seems like um like they say enlightenment is just is just here right now, right? The present. So it, it seems like enlightenment is kind of like when you're just not lost in your thoughts and you just and you're just in the moment. Like that's it. There's not like a super fucking like, like like you're not turning Super Saiyan Goku or something. Like you're just not distracted by thoughts. <laughs> so when you yeah. are distracted by thoughts or whatever, then that's a good uh, clue. Like, hmm, maybe I should look into this, see why this is happening. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, who knows? In our Saigon journeys going forward, maybe we might have to do this a bit more. When it comes to, I don't know, starting new ventures like the coffee shop or developing the podcast or working with different people, the challenges are still going to come. So it's best we get this awareness <laughs> sorted right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And really, like, we can't really go around adjusting everybody we meet because not everybody wants to be adjusted, really. Yeah. So really, the best thing that we can do is just, like, adjust ourselves. And then when when people see how we handle certain situations with our mindset then that makes them curious more than anything because then they're like what the fuck i didn't know that was possible yeah for sure nobody nobody that. likes being told what to do especially when yeah you're giving let's say constructive criticism like there's still criticism there's still something someone's doing wrong and we don't like to be wrong so yeah people don't people don't appreciate it <laughs> to be honest but again i feel like it's like putting your own house in order before criticizing the world i think that's a jordan peterson quote it is true it applies and it's what gets people's interest it's like by putting your own house in order it allows other people to see that that is possible yeah exactly perhaps visit it makes the house them, and, yeah pop in for Sunday lunch. yeah it, it makes them curious like could i do that too yeah, exactly because you could you totally could <laughs> if yeah, they want to. yeah and that's the beauty like the if, if, if people knew how like how powerful their mind was and if they learn how to use their mind instead of their mind use them, like uh, the world would be a different place, dude. Definitely, man. Nice. Thank you very much, Nick. And uh, speak to you on the next catch up in a week's time. Uh, I'll see you soon.